everybody. Hello. Welcome to December. Actually, no, we already had an episode on December 1st. Yeah, we did. But we didn't get to say happy December. Happy December. I feel like we kind of talked about how excited we are for the holiday spirit. That's true. Update, my mom, when she went to one of uh, my cousin's funeral a couple months ago, she brought me back a bracelet that she keeps forgetting to give me, and she just handed it to me. It is a St. Benedict charm bracelet, and she was thrilled because she was listening to I'm, – I'm at my grandparents' house right now, and my family came down mm-hmm. and drove from a different – they drove from Vermont. I drove from Boston. Anyway, that doesn't matter. But they were listening to the <laughs> podcast the whole way down, and we were talking – we were reading some someone's story, a listener's story, about the St. Benedict charm. So she was so excited to give it to me. Oh, that's so sweet. Liz Sauer always talks about the St. Benedict medals and having them around your house to protect the home. On the back of my St. Benedict charm, it says, may his presence protect us in the hour of death. Wow. So maybe we should get you one to hang from your rearview mirror or something. Oh, that's smart. You know, car troubles. Yeah. <laughs> the other day I was like, dangers of the road i've just been so busy that i haven't had time to do anything and my car was like my like negative it was past due on its oil change and i was like this is probably something i shouldn't skimp out on because i'm pretty sure i'm going to die in a car so i need to go fix this yeah probably i'd say you out of anyone should just given how many close calls you get on the daily Uh, not that many it's just that i don't exist and so people just want to kill me (laughs) Your existence is real to me and to everyone else who's listening. Thank you. What if this was like Fight Club and actually I was fake and this is all your imagination? I was literally just going to say that. <laughs> it comes out that like you're just a projection of one of my other personalities. Oh, oh my God. Or the idea that like your mom is just paying for like you to have a microphone and she's like telling you that, yeah, Sabrina's real. What if everyone listening back was just having, what if we were having a group hallucination <gasps> and in reality, this was just a one, one woman show. There's just only one person talking, but we Mass all, hysteria. My favorite. And then we all start dancing. Forever and ever. Also, this is a podcast. Hi, this is Two Girls, One Ghost. Two Girls, One Ghost. And we are your ghostesses. That's Corinne. Hello. And I'm Sabrina. And the ghost today does not want us to record. We're having so many technical issues, and possibly it could be because I'm in my grandparents' house, which I'm convinced is haunted. Oh, it probably is. I briefly saw that painting and the the art behind your head, and I was like, that is a ghost-attractive house. Right? It's a pastel, an old kind of maybe um, some light has faded it a bit, but it's an old pastel painting of a rose which would sound really nice but i don't know who knows so by default it's creepy (laughs) (laughs) sorry grandma she listens this is also my last time recording in my current apartment i need to can you send me the listing of your new apartment so that i can see it there aren't any pictures on the listing because it wasn't ever listed we um we got it off market wow okay who are you you always have these connections why don't i i know you okay a connection is basically there's eight apartments in this building that we're moving into and two of them are occupied by our friends and so when an apartment came open they're like hey you guys are looking to move we are going to tell our landlords and you should come and look at it and then we're like okay wait which friends 
Brittany and Ev and then Koei and Lexi. Oh. So it's going to be like the modern new day friends and we're going to do so many progressive parties where we go from one apartment to another to another like do drinks and appetizers drink and salad drink and dinner oh, that's then so dessert. that reminds me of when we all used to live in that apartment complex well uh, you lived down the street but you came over all the time and we had i was walking distance there were seven of us that all lived in apartments and two of them were directly like next to each other we shared a wall that was so fun the thing I miss most about that is our morning walks. Yeah, although I never partook in that. <laughs> My roommates Wait, are you kidding? Yes, you. you did. What? Not on the weekdays. There were times when everyone's like, let's get up at five and go on a walk before work. And I was like, see you later. You were totally there for multiple times. Are you sure? I'm positive. I really don't think I participated. Unless I was imagining you. I think you're imagining me. <laughs> No, you were definitely I there. Remember being like, I'm not doing that. Well, then maybe you were still like sleepwalking. Maybe I was like one and done. Although I am a super high functioning sleepwalker, so that's super possible. That's actually hilarious. I love that idea that that whole time you were just sleeping. That I like. <laughs> oh my god, there is no way a sleepwalker can squeeze into their athletic clothing without waking up. That thing is hard. Yeah, I wish I was a high functioning sleepwalker. Like, what if I could write while sleeping? That'd be so nice. That would be really nice. Are you nervous that now that you'll have so many friends around you that you'll be less productive? Mm, no, because I feel like people are around all the time. And also I spend all my life at work, so I'll be fine. That's true. But I was just thinking like people can come into your apartment now and they'll probably get in the habit of just letting themselves in. Mm, I'll lock the door. Yeah. Just don't give them a key. That was my mistake previously. Oh, no. Yeah, I'm suspicious of strangers and friends, so... <laughs> keep your guard up mm -hmm. always my brain isn't working anymore it just suddenly shut off in this moment oh well you know that happens maybe it's the ghost one of my coworkers, <laughs> uh he thinks his phone is haunted his wife jess she listens to our podcast and so she was telling me that he thinks his phone is haunted oh my god apparently i missed it at work but him and another coworker witnessed his phone just kind of like falling like it was in the middle of the desk and it just kind of scooted and fell off of the desk and the other guy was like did you see that and he's like yeah did you see that <laughs> maybe it's not his phone maybe it's just him and there's a ghost following him around yeah maybe oh i have an email from a listener that i wanted to read because we love math here at two girls one ghost corinne specifically but the great thing about this email is that we don't have to do any math she did it for us okay good Okay, so she says, congratulations on eight days worth of a podcast. This is from Ananda. She says, hey, ladies, I love you both so much. I'm one of those weird girls that fucking loves math. And I had the urge to see how much time I've spent listening to you, how much I have left, and how much you've done total. I did almost all of it without a calculator. So if I didn't fuck up at all, you've put out a total of 12,640 minutes, which is 210 hours, 40 minutes, or 8.7 days, which comes out to 8 days, 18 hours, and 48 minutes, which is fucking insane. She said she's listened to over a little over 8,000 minutes worth so far, and I have about three days of podcasts left to listen to. Super excited to catch up, but I'm not emotionally prepared to be out of content to get me through my work days. Thank you for always keeping me entertained and spooked. See you on the other side. 
Uh, can you imagine if we were locked in a room together and we had to talk to each other for eight <laughs> days straight? Uh, that would be also challenging. I feel like with anyone, eight days alone in a room. Eight days. And also, you're not a weird, weird girl for loving math. You just are blessed with a beautiful brain. And some of us were missing that section. You're not weird. I used to print out times tables at work just to, like, have fun. And I actively avoid math at all <laughs> all costs due to my inability to conceptualize numbers and equations. But, oh, my gosh, that's crazy. That's so high. <sighs> wow. And with now, I mean when this comes out we'll have more so we're almost at nine full days more than a week of podcast hours that's so wild man it kind of makes me like it makes me feel both productive and unproductive at the same time you know like we pushed out a lot but i'm i'm also like well if i had spent eight eight or nine days straight doing something else what else could i do could i save the world could i adopt all of the dogs i mean like this has been fun, so I kind of hope that this is all you ever wanted to do with those eight days. I thought you were going to say, this has been fun, but yeah, maybe we should move <laughs> Oh, gosh, no. 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 leave me here. I would I'm never. Have to project a new personality, Sabrina 1.0, <laughs> since 2.0 has already taken over. Oh, my gosh. Eight days, it almost like, yes, eight days is a lot. Almost nine days is a lot, but it's also crazy to think about in terms of how long we've been doing this eight days is nothing yeah that's true we did eight days of content over a span of two plus years of work that's how much work we've done for eight days of content yeah that's true because that's not taking into consideration how much time it takes to yeah, exactly and, yeah so someone do the math of 15 hours a week times at the minimum, times two people, times the amount of weeks we've had. And then that's our commitment <laughs> to two girls, one ghost. I dare someone to stay up for nine days and listen to every single episode without stopping. No bathroom breaks. Nothing. But they'll die. I'm kidding. You can't go that long. Corinne, I'm Sleep kidding. deprivation. Will they even know that they died? Or will they just be stuck listening to us for eternity? Is that what hell is? I, you know, I don't want to wish this upon anyone. But if you want to try and email us, please. All this ready. is a fun topic. I'm very excited because, well, we're recording this the day before Thanksgiving. And I feel like that is why we picked this topic. You know, like the turning of seasons and haunted farms is perfect for like the turkeys running around that all the people tomorrow are going to brutally murder to eat. Oh, God. <laughs> and it it did actually, I feel like, I don't know how I feel about it because I don't remember if it was last episode or the episode before. But when we were recording, I was like, if I didn't have to do, if I could choose any career without money or anything in mind, maybe I would just be a farmer. And now I'm not so sure. Oh, okay. Well, maybe you just have to build your own farm so that it's not on haunted land. BYOF? Okay. BYOF. That wow. should be the name of this episode. I like that. <laughs> Write that down, someone. Build Grin. your own farm. Okay. okay. Oh my gosh, do you remember that? BYOF. That game on uh, Facebook, like farm, what was it called? Farmville? 
Yes. Yeah, I never played that, but I got 1,000 invitations from friends being like, so-and-so wants you to play Farmville. And I I'm was like, obsessed. so-and-so, I haven't talked to you in nine years. I was obsessed. It's my favorite. That and then the oh, jetpack I- one. And, oh, there were so many. Isn't that how they steal your data? They're stealing our data no matter what. That's how they can – they're listening to <laughs> Conspiracy us. Conspiracy theories. <laughs> I have nothing to hide. It's fine. Me neither. I dare people to look. See if you can handle it. <laughs> anyway. Haunted Farms. We chose Haunted Farms. Yeah. And I picked Myrtle's Plantation. Ooh. And I picked this farm, Myrtle's Plantation, which is located in St. Francisville, Louisiana, because it – Oh, I'm sure everyone, if ever you've searched like ghost photo or anything, yes. you've probably come across a couple photos from this farm. I think it was a year ago where there was that one that went really viral of the woman in the window. Oh, yes. Yeah, I actually, it was hard researching this because every single article had both of the photos posted like, throughout <laughs> the article. And I was constantly nervous. You had to keep like, looking oh, at I don't want to see it. And it'd be like zoomed in a little bit more on the next article. But anyway, we'll post the photos um, on our Instagram so everyone can check them out if you don't want to Google it yourself. But otherwise, I will tell you all about this farmland, this plantation right now. Okay. All right. Back in 1796, General David Bradford, he was known as Whiskey Dave of the Whiskey Rebellion. He moved down to New Orleans, and uh, New Orleans was a Spanish colony at the time. So he moved down there because he was in some trouble for his involvement with whiskey at the time. Um, and he was trying to evade being arrested uh, back up in Pennsylvania. So he ran on down to New Orleans and mm. posted up shop there. And it's interesting that a... a criminal could run down to this area of Louisiana and just get a land grant for 650 acres of land. That's ginormous. Yeah, that is ginormous. So he was a really rich criminal. Oh, yeah. He was in the whiskey biz. And he was he was actually I didn't write this down, but he was later pardoned for his involvement in the whiskey biz. So He's he's fine. He's chilling. But he did some illegal activity for some time. You know, he's not killing anyone. As long as he's not killing not anyone. Not that I know of, but okay. yeah, I don't know. Anyway, so he got this grant for land for 650 acres of land. Ginormous. This land was surrounded by giant oak trees with Spanish moss just dripping off of it. Super beautiful. Also happens to have a Native American burial ground on the property. Question mark, question mark, maybe, mm. possibly, the rumors say. And then he decides to build a big old Creole cottage style home right on top of that land amongst the many, many acres um, and kind of start like a, a plantation. I mean, considering the fact that we just completely kicked all Native Americans off their land, I feel like anywhere in the U.S. is it's possible to have Native there's, American burial. Yeah, there's one a quarter of a mile away from my home in Vermont. It's very sad. Yeah. All right. So Whiskey Dave, he later sells the home to his son-in-law who decides to renovate it. And by renovate it, I mean he doubles the size of the home. So it goes from like a home to like pretty much a mansion. Mm -hmm. So there are these large side lights letting all this nice light come in. There's a double door entrance. Imagine two doors opening. My oh my. Oh my gosh. There's some stained glass. There's some ornamental cast iron railings. 22 rooms in total. Bougie people. 
this is why I want to be a farmer. This is how they live, apparently, <laughs> then at this time in this location. Anyway, you so... You're going to be a time traveler, too, then? <laughs> it's on my wish list. <laughs> so the surrounding land of this uh, plantation and farmhouse, it, it also features some smaller houses. So there's a small house towards the back of the main house. There's two... Oh, my God. I always screw up this word. Is it ancillary? There's a brick courtyard, many wooden cottages. There's a large pond. And in the middle of the large pond, there's this small little island with a gazebo. So just oh. dreamland. Just a random little like. island with a gazebo? Yeah. That's nice. You can go out to the gazebo and, I don't know, have a romantic picnic or something. Wow. And then it was remodeled again a, f- a few times. It's handed down, sold a few more times, blah, 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 the whole story. Many people touch the home. And then in the 1950s, a woman named Marjorie Munson, she purchased this farm home. And she was the first to make note of some of the strange things happening in the house, which started to spark up the discussion and get people talking about like, maybe there are ghosts at Myrtle's plantation. Mm-hmm. And then in the 1970s, James and Francis Corrine Myers, they bought the house and they opened it up as a bed and breakfast. So plenty more people were coming in to stay. um, And as more people experienced the home, more and more ghost stories started to come from people's experiences. And so this couple, they actually wrote a book about the home, referring to it as the most haunted house in America. And currently... The owners are John and Tita Moss. They own the home and they agree that, yes, it is haunted. <laughs> so <laughs> everyone's pretty much in agreement here. And indeed it is. It is not known exactly why it's haunted. There are a few rumors. One of the rumors is that 10 people were murdered on this land. Oh. But only only one murder can actually be confirmed. But regardless, there are a boatload of ghosts hanging around here. Wow. Marjorie, she reported or her reports were the first public comments aimed at the paranormal activity in the home. Um, But there were many, many more to come. 12 to be exact. There are 12 spirits that are supposedly haunting this farmhouse and haunting the land. And then in 1985, a film crew, they were shooting at this location, shooting on Myrtle's plantation. Mm -hmm. And um, it was the location for the TV movie called The Long Hot Summer. And for their film, they needed to rearrange the furniture in both the game room and the dining room. Hmm. So the crew got to work. They're like, you know, moving things around as they need, prepping for the shoot, making everything perfect so that they can come film. And then they stop for some time, leave the house. And then when they return, all of the furniture is back to its original setting. Oh, my God. No one had (gasps) been in the house or moved it. Oh, that's amazing. I just got chills again. (laughs) And then in 2002... Unsolved Mysteries, they visited the plantation and they went to discuss the haunting. And the production crew experienced a whole lot of technical difficulties. And then Ghost Hunters, Ghost Adventures, and The Most Terrifying Places in America, all of those shows have gone there to film at this location. And then there have been like plenty of more people going in to just do filming here and there. And other production crews have attempted to use the property in film, though it's said that many of them are so spooked by the activity that they pretty much just abandoned the plan or cut filming pretty short. Wow. So not a good place to film, especially if you're there trying to just film it as a set rather than highlight the ghosts. Right. Because apparently they like things to stay as they are. You know, I get that. Change is hard. Change is hard. And 
when you like something a certain way, sometimes you just need it to stay that way or you're going to you're going to lose it. You're going to move it. I get that. <laughs> lose it and move it. <laughs> Visitors of the farm have also witnessed quite a few ghostly spirit sightings. There have been sightings of a young girl with curly hair dressed in an ankle length dress and she doesn't walk or run around the house, but rather she floats on by. She just kind of floats. Hmm. Floats on by. Which I don't know if that's scarier or not. It kind of gives sure. me like Harry Potter vibes where like the ghosts are just, you know, doing their thing. That's how I feel too. Although if I'm so like when I think about it, I'm like, oh, it feels like Harry Potter. And so it doesn't feel scary. But then if I actually put it into practice and like think, OK, well, what if I was actually laying in my bed and something just like floated on by, like not bobbing at all, just a straight line? I don't know. That would be pretty damn scary. totally. And I mean, any ghost experience, regardless of if the ghost is negative or or good, it's it's off putting. You don't you don't expect it. True. And especially when you're in a place like your home or a hotel where you feel like you should be safe or want to be safe, and then something strange and unexpected happens, of course it's going to be a little unsettling. Right. Well, I imagine it is for those <laughs> who see her. <laughs> but she's not the only child present on the property. There have been other sightings of children playing around together, which is a nice thought. Yeah. And in addition to the children and this little girl, there's also a grand piano on the first floor that occasionally plays itself. Okay, so, that's nothing, nice. Yeah, it's nothing too horrifying. Like, it seems pretty benign, just like some things here and there. I don't think it seems too scary. Right. But while the ghosts don't seem maybe so inherently bad, there is still plenty of opportunity to be thoroughly spooked at this farmland plantation ranch. I don't know what the difference is between those three words, so I'm just going to use them all. Okay. And in 1992, the owner of the home took a photograph of the plantation for the insurance company. And this is the first real big photograph that was like, holy moly, look at this ghost caught on film. Oh my gosh. So 1992, the owner is like zipping by, like taking some pics. The insurance company wanted photos to see uh, the distance between the two buildings in order to help the underwriters like write a fire insurance policy or something. So they're taking pictures, trying to get, you know, the space between the two buildings in the shot. And so the photo is taken, sent off, but the photo has something else in it, something between the two buildings, something taking up the space there. Oh, there appears to be a figure of what they believe is a slave girl standing, facing the camera in a long dress and a turban. And shocked by this discovery, the owner of the home brings the photo like to the public as well as to experts for second opinions being like holy crap what did i catch on camera <laughs> what is this in the national geographic explorer filming crew they had also been investigating the property upon investigation of the photo they noted that the exterior boards of the home were visible behind the figure so if you look at the picture it i mean that's just like a way of saying that person's see-through they're transparent if you can see the boards of the home behind that person it's a, it's a ghost oh i am <laughs> so, looking at it it's a little creepy and then a patent researcher norman benoit visited the plantation back in 1995 he's a patent researcher and he requested to examine the photograph and wanted to make sure it was authentic like really get in there he didn't trust anyone else's opinions 
So he blew up the photo, he enlarged it so that he can, he could conduct a shadow density procedure and he basically just took a ton of measurements of the figure just to figure out the accuracy in terms of like physical measurements of the mm-hmm. body. So he measured the circumference of the head, the length of from the shoulder to the elbow, from the elbow to the wrist, etc., etc., etc. And the image or his measurements showed that the image was a pretty dang accurate depiction of human proportions. It was it was all human or could be human. There was nothing off, nothing that might suggest that it wasn't a person. Mm-hmm. So then this photo, gaining popularity and spooking the world, was nicknamed the Chloe Postcard. So some rumors have surfaced as to who Chloe could be. Uh, It's believed that Chloe was a slave owned by Clark and Sarah Woodruff, and it's thought that Clark had forced her into being his mistress. Though there are other legends that state that Chloe had been possibly listening in on meetings regarding Clark's business and had been caught and punished, and one of her ears was cut off. Oh, my God. And so that's why she had to wear the turban to hide her ear injury. So that's why that person's wearing a turban in the... All of that is so awful. Yeah, it's worst case scenario either either way. It's just, it's awful. Yeah. And depending on which legend you believe, what Chloe did next was either out of jealousy or revenge or just if you're kept on a property and you don't have any rights, sometimes you act out of character just based on survival. But she baked a cake and she made some tea and they contained oleander leaves which are very very poisonous oh good to know and yep yeah have you seen never mind i hate when i say that and then i can never remember the name of the (laughs) shows never mind but she didn't end up poisoning clark she instead poisoned his wife sarah and their two children oh and they all died. And so it's not known if, like, some people say, oh, she did that. She gave them a little bit to try to, like, you know, make them all sick so she can nurse them back to health and, like, be in good graces with him again. And then others are like, no, she was trying to kill everybody and she just missed Clark. He didn't drink the tea or eat the cake. Is that, like, a confirmed murder that happened? So, no, not really. Okay, so the rumor is that Chloe was later hanged for killing sarah and the two children but records from this time never mentioned a slave named chloe nor did the children die from oleander leaves rather they had passed away from yellow fever according to records Uh so really the mystery of like who's in that photo remains we don't really know people are creating this narrative of chloe in the postcard right though there's no real proof as to if it is chloe who chloe is if chloe ever existed and etc etc I'm so curious. I mean, I think we've talked about this before, about how at a lot of these plantations and homes where slaves were unfortunately owned, records weren't really that well kept. And so, yeah, I'm curious who this woman is and if she really did, if it is Chloe. I know. That's the bummer. It's like without records, it's – and I think that's the case with so many spirits there aren't that many records and so many spirits that present themselves oftentimes have like that older dress and are clearly from an right. earlier era. Yeah. But I wonder if in the future, in like a hundred years when we're haunting places that people are like, going <laughs> to be like, oh yeah, that was Corinne and Sabrina. They ran this podcast and they worked <laughs> here and they did this. Like w- there's records of everything now. So I know, but the hard thing is like you'd either have to appear so with such a clear 
features that it's like, oh, if you did a search of that face, it would come up as us because they're, you know, everyone knows our faces now. Or it'd have to be at a place that's so specific to us, like your home or your work or wherever. Right. Yeah. You couldn't just pick an odd. You couldn't just travel the world. <laughs> or we'll just go haunt other people's podcasts. <gasps> you come up with a good plan. <laughs> I like that. All right. Number one goal when we pass over. Haunt other people's podcasts. Love it. Make everyone else haunted. <laughs> All right. But Chloe, so unsure about who this person is and if Chloe actually existed. We don't know if Chloe existed, but we at least know that the ghost captured on camera is someone. We just don't know who it is. Right. But that person isn't the only spirit showing herself in photographs because, uh-huh. Sabrina, you referenced it earlier, mm-hmm. but there's another hugely famous ghost photo that was also captured at the Myrtle Plantation inside the farmhouse. Yeah. There was a group of students and a teacher that were there learning about the plantation and, and life on the plantation. And the teacher, there it's like a little huddle of students, like I think three people are in the photo. And the teacher snaps a pic of some of the students in front of the home. And rather than focus on the students' smiling faces, everybody instead notices something in the background. Mm-hmm. Behind one of the girl's left shoulders, you can see another young girl, and she's peering out a large window. And the girl's dressed in antebellum clothing, and she's staring directly into the camera. Yep. And then the the outline, I'm getting chills because I'm ah! thinking about the photo. <laughs> The outline of her body and the features are so, so clear. So everybody, as you're listening, go look at our Instagram. They're so clear and it's so incredibly freaky, but that's just kind of what it looks like. It looks like an outline. Like you can see the roundness of her cheeks. You can see the stripes of her dress. You can see the pleats, her mm-hmm. collar, etc. And yet she's see-through. Like you can see the drapes behind her and it's almost as if there's no coloring there. It's almost like this sort of like see-through-ish, whitish, gray um, image of, of a little girl and yet she's right. so clear it's so interesting yeah are you looking yeah i'm looking yeah and then also a weird thing is is like the drapes are right against the window but so is she and yet the drapes aren't they haven't visibly like moved they don't look like there's a whole person standing in front of them so it's right. almost like she's completely flat as well it does look like that yeah it's and she's looking off into the distance it's so yeah, interesting it's creepy so All right. The other photo is called or nicknamed the Chloe postcard. But this girl, her photo is called the ghost girl of the Myrtles plantation. I love how I love how Chloe gets a legit name and then she's just ghost girl. Well, people probably learned. I mean, that one was more recent. So it's like, you know, don't make assumptions. Yeah, exactly. We don't know her name. No. And don't make assumptions about who someone is that's living today as well. You never know what people are who they are what they're going through or what a good lesson Karen. thank you for bringing this yeah you're welcome all right i won't do my last point then because it's less less (laughs) nice but moving on (laughs) i was about to ruin it what were you gonna say now you need to say it well no i was just gonna say like and you also don't know who who's like dangerous or (laughs) so as much as you know like be kind to everyone like also protect yourself but also like keep your head down don't look up at strangers you know (laughs) <laughs> but also smile at no one but then smile at everyone because you but, never know what people are going but through. also keep your keys in your hand just in case <laughs> or your mate but then put them down so that they feel comfortable uh, <laughs> somebody or keep them so up so rules. you or keep them up so you feel comfortable <laughs> <laughs> see this is why it's hard to be a person you, you have to pick up on so many different cues we trust no one but everyone 
no one and everyone. Uh, okay, so this image of this little girl on the plantation in the window, it's also sent off for second opinions. So Dave Young of the Paladin Paranormal, he is a friend of the plantation, and he agreed to take the photo and look at the photo. And he was not able to debunk the photo. So he sent it off himself. He took initiative and was like, I'm going to send it to a bunch of other professionals, including the Society of Psychical Research. So like kind of just blew it out to everybody that he could, tried to get everybody's uh, opinion on it. And no one could really come back with an explanation. The photo, it was shot on a Sony CyberShot camera and it showed absolutely nothing unusual, no signs of alteration or faulty wiring nor was the process or development any different the photo was absolutely legitimate that teacher had captured a ghost on camera and still to this day the photograph is being examined by experts seeking an explanation for this little girl's presence but no one has been able to debunk the photo i have an explanation what it's a ghost oh oh i am a genius you should write them in it will really (laughs) save them a lot of time and money (laughs) Stop your search. I have all answers. Stop your search. (laughs) I have what you're looking for. (laughs) It's quite simple, really. (laughs) The key to the mystery. (laughs) Oh, gosh. I want to narrate like a a planet Earth thing. (laughs) Here we have a ghost. A ghost. I wouldn't be able to just like seriously do one voice the whole yeah, time. Yeah, you just did it. Like <laughs> it's too tempting to slip into many different A voices. Ghost. <laughs> All right. Well, there are plenty of ghosts in this this joint. So the other activity in the home is attributed to the presence of many spirits. Furniture and odd objects will move around the room and visitors' cameras often act up and cease to work at all. So it's interesting that so many people's cameras get jammed and yet two of like the clearest ghost photos ever were captured on the plantation Mm -hmm. on this farm. There are footsteps heard moving up and down the stairs that are believed to belong to the previous owner, William Winter, and William had been shot. This is this is the proved murder. So William had been shot by a stranger in his home, and as he staggered up the stairs in an attempt to flee his attacker, William succumbed to his injuries on the oh. 17th stair. And so people believe that the noise that they hear, the footsteps up and down the stairs, may be perhaps William himself moving about the stairwell. That's so sad. So, so sad. It was a stranger. Just a random person. Yeah, it was a stranger. This is why you lock your doors. I know. This is so creepy. So so that's the proved... So remember in the beginning I said that there's rumors that there are 10 murderers on the property. Right. And that's the one that's proved and that's the one spirit that people believe are also, like is very much connected. It's this noise on the stairs. Someone was murdered on the stairs and there's records so yeah that one seems to have like a big check mark on it but there are other legends on the property regarding who the remaining nine spirits are or murdered spirits are Mm. and how they came to haunt the farm so some people have spotted an apparition of who they believe is a young native american woman which could be pretty accurate as you know there's belief that this house was built over a native american burial ground and additionally 
legend claims that three Union soldiers were also killed in the house during the Civil War mm. and that the energy from their death still remains in the house and it shows itself through this stain on the floor. So apparently oh, there's this big so eerie. stain. Yes. And it's this, the stain is the size of a human body and it just appears right by the front door and no scrubbing or cleaning materials can get it clean. Oh. And some people have reported that when they try to clean it up and they like move their mop into the space the mop won't even penetrate the space it's as if some like invisible wall is just keeping their supplies away from the stain that is whack whack that's crazy that's wacky woo (laughs) and then there are three more spirits that are believed to be on the property so whether or not we think the legend of of uh claire is a Chloe. Wait. Chloe. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Not even following my own story. <laughs> okay, well, whether or not we, we believe um, what happened with Chloe or not, uh, Sarah Woodruff, the, the woman that she supposedly murdered with Oleander Leaves, and her mm-hmm. two children who were supposedly poisoned, the records show differently, um, they're said to live inside the mirror of the home. <gasps> inside of it! What? So their spirits are trapped in there as the mirror was uncovered during the time of their passing. And occasionally the three of them are seen in the mirror. And once in a while, there are little handprints left in the mirror, but like on the inside. Whoa. I Isn't it creepy? I just hate the idea that that spirits are trapped inside a mirror. I know. I'm looking around my grandparents, the bedroom that I'm staying in, and currently I spy with my little eye five mirrors in this room. Why so many? Yikes. I wonder, okay, I mean, I know we've done an episode about mirrors and scrying mirrors and how, and we've talked about the idea of like broken mirrors being bad luck, but I wonder what the the theory is behind why mirrors can trap why they're so bad to have around when someone's passing away. Like, what is it about it that can suck in a spirit? I know. And is it certain mirrors? Is it like, does it depend on the energy in the space or if something's already there? Because I feel like plenty of people pass away in their own home. And oftentimes there are mirrors in the bedroom, especially if someone's like, you know, really ill and they're living out their last days in their own home they're probably going to do the majority of everything in that one home totally or in that one room i mean yeah so i'm sure there's a mirror around is it raining or is there just a lot of you cut out sudden i said is it raining or is there just a lot of sudden noise outside uh it was raining on the roof oh for Uh, you i like how you're answering my weather questions and we are three thousand miles away (laughs) i thought you were saying there was background noise in mine because it was raining in la which never happens oh my god santa came early he's on your roof he is update it's rain okay cool (laughs) um there's another spirit of a young girl who passed away in 1868 and it's thought that she was brought to a local voodoo practitioner to receive treatment after she fell ill and yet she she still passed away. Uh, but this little girl, she appears in the bedroom where she died in the home. And a witness or many witnesses actually claim that she attempts to practice voodoo on the sleeping visitors who lay down in her room. Oh. 
Creepy. There have also been EVPs that have been captured on site, sounds of shuffling, low growls, and then some actual words. There's been a bunch, but I just wrote down a few that were clearer. There was one that said little cottage. There was one that said, get off, you're trespassing. Mm. And then get help. Oh, wow. So if you all want to test your luck and head to Myrtle's Plantation to snap a few pictures or spend the night at the bed and breakfast, you totally can. And you should report back to us with your findings. Yes, please. The property is open for tours from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. daily. It has an evening tour on Friday and Saturday. And if you're looking to spend the night, there's a bed and breakfast so you can get some bed possibly some voodoo and some breakfast too that rhymed i like that i know i wrote it out Did you plan that <laughs> i felt good about it <laughs> and i'm still feeling good about it now because you complimented me you should feel good about it i was really impressed with it i was like wow <laughs> i wonder if you planned that and you did you did I'm good i'm basically a rapper but for ghost podcasts <laughs> honestly i still can't get over that rap that you made for that guy on bumble what was it Hinge? oh my gosh I don't remember it at all. Did I read it on the podcast? No, you read it to me before our very first live show at uh, the Outlier Podcast Festival. I'm going to have to try to find that. That was good. Track that down. Yeah, I mean, you could sell some mad beats. Oh, my God. I sounded so white right there. (laughs) (laughs) At least I can acknowledge it. (laughs) (laughs) Some mad beats. Oh, wow. Uh, I'd buy your record. Post Malone can do it. Can't I? Uh, Just kidding. Post Malone is so incredibly talented. I could never. <laughs> oh, gosh. And I would say you're a little different than Post Malone. Uh, you know what's weird that I just realized I was doing is we're, instead of being on FaceTime right now, you and I are on a phone call due to technical difficulties in the beginning of this episode. And throughout. <laughs> I keep, and throughout. But I keep looking at the phone like I'm looking at your eyes. Like every time I am talking <gasps> to you, I turn and look at the phone. You're really imagining me. I really am. I'm just I'm a doing figment. Oh I'm gosh, a figment stop. of your stop. imagination. Or maybe you're not looking at me. You're looking at a ghost in the room that's pretending to be me. Oh, my goodness. Sabrina, <laughs> what if you live in my phone? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, something worse. That, I don't know. I feel like, okay, I think being trapped in a mirror would be worse. But, like, being trapped in a phone doesn't sound fun either. Although it does sound like a little bit like Wreck-It Ralph, which would be kind of fun. I haven't seen the movie. Covering. I should. I still need to get Disney Plus. I heard that Verizon users get a free year or something like that. Oh, I just upgraded to Unlimited because I use a lot of data. Maybe I can see if we have it. Yeah, you should. I think I, yeah. I'm interested. I would like to partake in viewing Lady and the Tramp. That's on my list. Or rewatch Lizzie McGuire. That's on Disney Plus? Yeah, everything. Like all of our old favorite DCOMs and Disney shows, everything. Oh my God. Talk about self-care. Lizzie McGuire and a little bit of care of. That's all I need. Okay, my turn. My turn. But I have a haunted farm to talk about. It is called Haunted Monte Cristo Homestead. And it is in Junee, New South Wales, Australia. And it is said to be the most haunted house in Australia. And when someone says most haunted, I say, who's there? (laughs) I'm so glad you enjoyed that. (laughs) Okay. So let's begin. You're really creating a name for yourself today. Thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. I'm very sleep deprived. Okay. 
Let's begin with the word homestead, which many of our listeners are much smarter than us. So they're going to be like rolling their eyes and be like, oh my God, I know what it is. But basically it's a farmhouse. So in Australia, it is a family's residence, which is comprised of the land, the house, the outbuildings. And in most states, it's exempt from forced sale or collection of debt, which is sounds great. And next, let's explain Australia because it is a prison colony created by the Brits. And I think that is the most interesting thing about Australia. It, it very much is. And that's where the 19 crimes wine comes from. Oh, it is? I didn't know that. Yes, you did. I've, I have definitely told you, I think. Oh, I didn't Maybe. know it was from Australia. Maybe not. Yeah, no, you could be banished to Australia for 19 different crimes. Oh. And so that's the premise of the 19 crimes wine. So there are, I think, I don't know how many bottles. I assume 19, but they're like different. That's why they have mug shots on the front. Oh, I just love the idea that they're like, where do we put our prisoners? Send them to an island. Send them to a giant ass island that's filled with animals that will probably kill them before we do. And then let them have lives and offspring. And then, oh, wait, and now it's going to be Australia. They gave us the Hemsworths. They gave us Margot Robbie. They've given us so much. And they gave us this story. So the Monte Cristo homestead was built by an all. by an Australian pioneer and farmer. His name was Christopher William Crawley, and he built the home in 1885. It's a gorgeous Victorian manor with green and yellow trimmings, and it stands atop a hill and overlooks the town of Junee. And it's Christopher kind of has a great story where he was he started out this as this poor struggling farmer, and he spent years of his life trying to make something of himself. And he dreamt of literally building a better life for himself and his wife. He was self-motivated and he became self-made. So he went from poor farmer to successful local entrepreneur by building the Railway Hotel in 1877 in Juni. And luckily for him, the Southern Railway line opened in 1878, a year after he built this hotel, and the town's growth and popularity grew exponentially. So basically, he was like, I feel like this is going to be a great, big, booming town. I'm going to, before this railway is done, I'm going to build a hotel. And then when people come, I'm going to make lots of money. And that's exactly what happened. Wow. He was smart. He was forward looking. He really was. And I'm pretty sure when the railway was built, there were only two buildings in the town. And it was his hotel and some other small little things. So like, he literally helped form this town. And he became so successful that he was able to build the gorgeous Monte Cristo homestead for his family in 1885. And Monte Cristo means Mount of Christ. So basically, like, at the top of this hill was overlooking the world, overlooking the town. And with time came more money. They built stables, slave quarters, and a wood ballroom. For the Crawleys, life was good for now. But there are many stories of Elizabeth Crawley mistreating the slaves, which is awful, and I'll share some of those stories when I get deeper into the ghost stories. I mean, as we've heard with a lot of slavery stories, not, people aren't weren't great to them. They were treated very, very poorly. And it's so horrible. And I wish our history wasn't so drab. But alas, ugh, sad. Okay. Very sad. But for now, the Crawleys. Their wealth and position in society was poignant. They were the center of the social circles. And Christopher and Elizabeth had six children together, four girls and three boys. They were hashtag goals to the town, and everyone was like, oh, are you invited to the Crawleys party? Like, you know, they were they were the it couple. They were the people to know. 
But then heartbreak struck the Monte Cristo homestead. On December 14, 1910, Christopher William Crawley died from blood poisoning caused by an abscess on his neck, which became infected Ooh. by a starched collar. So it all just sounds horrible. What? Yeah, he was wearing like a starch collar and he had an abscess. I don't know what a starch collar is. I think it's like a piece of clothing. Oh, okay. Wow, that's an awful... Well, I mean, it's kind of like the Mad Hatters, like everyone going mad because they wore hats with lead in them and like licked the side or something. That's probably super inaccurate, but something like that. I didn't know that. That's a really interesting tidbit. Mad Hatters. I'll, I'll do a book report and send it to you. Wait, yeah, I actually want to learn more about that now. Hmm, maybe I'll procrastinate writing my outline and do that instead. <laughs> yeah, do it when we get off. I don't have a deadline. It's fine. Sure. Everything's fine. This everything's is fine. fine as everything's burning around me. Okay. So Christopher William Crawley was 69 years old when he passed away. And Elizabeth Crawley went into a state of complete disrepair. She was absolutely heartbroken. So much so that she became a recluse and apparently... She refused to leave her home for 23 years. 23. There apparently were only two occasions. Yeah, apparently she only left twice in the 23 years after her husband died. Wow. Mm-hmm. And she became the spooky legend of the town, this woman in black who never left the house. And rumors spread. And it was like, you know, that story of like the cranky old lady who lives at the house, like ring the doorbell, that kind of story, like dare you to ring the doorbell. She became that woman. Oh, Yeah. Yeah, she was so heartbroken. She only wore black from the day he died until the day she died from head to toe. Oh, that's so sad. And she ended up turning the upstairs attic space into a chapel. And she went up there and spent her entire, like every day in the chapel reading Bible verses for hours. And then tragedy struck the family again in 1917 when one of Elizabeth's children had gotten married and he and his wife lived in the Monte Cristo homestead. They had given birth to a sweet little girl named Ethel, but unfortunately, Ethel was not long for this world because when she was only 10 months old, no, the nanny baby. the nanny that was carrying her accidentally dropped her down the stairs and baby <gasps> Ethel unfortunately passed away in the fall. No! I know. Oh, that's so horrible. And it's... It's kind of unclear of how Ethel fell. There are a lot of rumors, some that claim the nanny threw the child or perhaps that the nanny was pushed down the stairs by someone or something, maybe an unseen force, which we'll talk about in a little bit. Whatever the cause, it was absolutely heartbreaking and the family was absolutely devastated. No one should ever have to experience losing a child. It's so sad. On a side note, I'm very proud of myself because when I was doing this research, uh, like almost every single article that I read said that Ethel was Elizabeth and William Crawley's child, but William died in 1910 and Ethel died in 1917 at 10 months old. And I started doing research and I, through ancestry.com and all this stuff, I realized that Ethel wasn't Elizabeth's child. She was actually Elizabeth's daughter's child. So I was oh, very, look at you. I was very proud of myself. Right. So Ethel's death was very tragic. This isn't about me. And the family was slowly losing their social status and they kind of, they just were retracting themselves because it was really difficult for them to enjoy life in the way that they had before they had lost all these loved ones in their life. 
And then on August 12th of 1933, Elizabeth Crawley died in her house at 92 years old of a ruptured appendix and of heart failure. Oh, man. We were, I was just talking to my brother about this. We were talking about like natural selection and how we both would have been dead by now. And I was like, yeah, you would have died because his appendix ruptured. And he was like, no, I would have died before that when I had an allergic reaction to seafood when he was like five. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. It's like the Oregon Trail game. We're we're lucky that we live in the time that we do. Mm-hmm. We are. For many yeah. reasons. Yeah. Uh, after Elizabeth's death, the family dispersed and the house fell into disrepair. It sat vacant for nearly 20 years squatters and vandals broken they desecrated the once gorgeous home and then in june of 1963 reg ryan and his wife olive ryan bought the vandalized home for a mere one thousand dollars and restored the house to its original glory and this is where the story begins to sound something like the haunting of hill house Ooh. Because when the Ryans bought the house, they thought it would be an incredible investment. They were so proud to restore it to its original beauty. They were making a historical difference in restoring and preserving it. And perhaps they were, but they got way more than they bargained for. They got ghosts. And not all of them were good. Okay, ghosts. Like I said. One, two, three, ghosts! Oh, I love that. Oh, that's so nice. (laughs) That was really, that's very clever. Thanks. Okay. So this is where the Monte Cristo homestead becomes something like the haunting of Hill House. Reg and Olive Ryan purchased the house, and their very first taste of the paranormal energy that existed in the home was kind of the first week that they bought the home. Olive Ryan stated that she and her husband went out to go buy a few supplies from the hardware store, and when they returned, every single light was on in the house. But... The house didn't have any power because it had been empty and uncared for for over 20 years. Oh, my gosh. See, I was thinking, like, I would have been panicked, like, oh, my God, someone's in my home. Right. But that's how you know. So not only are they terrified that someone's inside, but also, like, where is this power coming from? So terrified and concerned that there were burglars inside, the Ryans told their children to stay in the car, and they raced inside. But the second they reached the front steps, all of the lights vanished all at once and when they searched the house the home was empty it appeared as if the house had come to life and maybe the purchase of their home reignited the spirits and they were thrilled to have company or the spirits were having a party and trying to scare them away i don't know but the stories of the experiences they and others have experienced range from innocent to sweet to downright spine chilling and i'll start with my least favorite of the stories because to me, it's proof that something dark was working within the walls of the house. And it really reminds me of a scene um, in The Haunting of Hill House, that show. When they restored the home, they used the breakfast room as their kitchen. And it was also a place where they housed a litter of newborn kittens that they found. And if you don't want to know where this... If you think you know where this is going and if you don't want to hear anything sad, hit that 30-second button. Because Ooh. one morning when they went to start their day in the kitchen, they found the kittens all dead and they i don't know why i'm so shocked you warned me but still it hurts and they appeared to have been mutilated so it's not like they died of some illness that they all caught at the same time it looked like someone or something had hurt them oh no oh no but moving on because i hated that i hate i hate that so much it's so sad 
Uh, the Ryans and many witnesses have said that they themselves sense a very dark presence in the house, one that is particularly strong near the stairwell. And people report that when they reach the stairs, they have this sense of dread that makes them want to turn around and never go up to the second floor. Which I and many of the people who report these feelings wonder if it's related to the death of baby Ethel or if it's the presence that maybe pushed the nanny down the stairs, which caused Ethel to die. If we believe mm, that might have mm-hmm. happened, no one really knows. But it's scary. And aside from the stairwell, people have been touched, pushed, grabbed in all areas of the house and there have been many shadows seen creeping through the darkness and the feeling of being watched was was and is very common outside of the house there is a ghost of a little boy seen and he always appears to be sad and this sadness seems to be a very common thread amongst the ghosts at monte cristo there's a sadness that shrouds the house and the energy there is predominantly negative and people describe the feeling as suffocating They feel as if they cannot breathe in certain rooms and areas of the house and their breath doesn't come back until they leave. There is an apparition of a woman in period dress and she's often seen walking along the veranda and people have seen faces looking through the second story windows out to the yard. Some people believe this woman could be connected to a young maid who apparently fell from the second floor balcony and died, but the name or records of this death are not clear, so... I'm not sure if it actually happened. Regardless, the people see faces in the windows. According to psychics and many groups who've hosted paranormal investigations, the most prominent ghost of the Monte Cristo homestead is Elizabeth Crawley herself, and she is seen all over the property. She's often described as a dark figure wearing all black and carrying a silver cross clasped in her hands. And something about that is just unsettling and reminds me of The Nun. I haven't seen that movie. Well, you've seen the image, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've seen the image. It just, well, it gives you a little bit of heebie-jeebies. But I think she's just sad and mourning the loss of her husband and and her family still. Mm -hmm. And she seems to dislike the intrusion of new people, including the Ryans, who currently and still own the home. On multiple occasions, her spirit has scolded people and told them to get out. (laughs) And she specifically heard saying that in the dining room. And whenever she enters a room, it becomes icy cold. And as I said earlier, she was not the warmest of people and treated her workers and slaves very poorly. She had a coldness about her that only worsened when her heart stopped pumping blood. So a story of which I was not able to validate, but was possibly connected to a ghost at the home. And it's also telling of Elizabeth's cruelties in life is the story of a young slave boy. According to the story, this boy spoke against Elizabeth and she retaliated by chaining him up to the outside of the house where she left him there for days. No. People have thought that the sad boy outside was perhaps this young boy had been, who had been tortured by Elizabeth. But there is another version of this story that's really different and does not involve Elizabeth. This version is... I'm pretty sure after Elizabeth passed away, there's this legend of the house that revolved around a housekeeper. And according to the story, this housekeeper had a mentally disabled son named Harold. And since both of Harold's parents had to work all day, his parents decided to chain him up outside of the cottage to make sure that he wouldn't run away or get into anything dangerous. And apparently Harold's mother would come home, give Harold food and return to work. And this basically went on for 40 years. That's 
absolutely insane. I Yes, I know. But again, the validity of this is questioned, but there's there are some like ghosts and sounds that that may have inspired the story or might make people believe the story. And so children and people in the town would walk past the land and they would hear Harold's screams and they claimed that the house was haunted by an evil spirit. But years later, the scream stopped and apparently a, a brave soul from the town decided to go up to the house and just see what was going on and found the mother, the housekeeper, dead. And then he found Harold on the verge of death who had gone a long period of time without food and water because his mother was dead. Oh my gosh. According to the story, Harold was placed in a psychiatric facility where he died shortly later. Again, I don't know it. I don't know how based in truth it is, but um, if it is real, it's horrible. Yeah, so, so awful. I can't even imagine. Another tragic story of death that took place on the homestead is the story of a young stable boy. His name is Morris. Morris was ill one day and fell asleep amongst the horses and carriages on a bed of straw. His boss, thinking that Morris was faking his illness, decided to set the straw on fire. And he thought Morris would jump off, but Morris was actually sick. So sick that he was unable to get up and apparently he burnt to death. Oh, what? And also, what kind of messed up do you have to be to try, even try to light someone on fire as a joke? I have no idea. All kinds of messed up. Yep. One story that has been verified of a death on the Monte Cristo property is the death of the caretaker in 1961. Apparently, a local boy had watched Alfred Hitchcock's Psycho three times in one day and decided to take a gun up to the Monte Cristo homestead and shoot the caretaker. And so he did. He finished watching Psycho and took his gun, went up to the Monte Cristo, shot the man in cold blood, and then wrote, Die, Jack, Die, on the door of the dairy barn in blood. And apparently, you can still see this die jack die faintly on the dairy barn to this day then all of ryan's son his name is lawrence remembers growing up in the house and he said he never really felt alone he would hear furniture moving footsteps in the night and he would see a woman in white standing on the upstairs balcony he says the whole family would feel a hand on their shoulders when no one was behind him apparently reginald ryan would hang pictures on the walls that's the husband of olive he would hang pictures on the walls and then go do his, go on with his day and come back and find the the image the picture on the ground as if it was gently removed from the wall like the guy like the ghosts were saying nope and then a truly eerie story is one from Lawrence's sister apparently she had gone in to check on him after bedtime and when she opened his bedroom door she saw an elderly man in old-fashioned clothes standing at the end of Lawrence's bed just watching Lawrence sleep. Oh, gosh. She screamed, and of course, everyone came rushing in and was like, what the hell's happening? But by the time the family arrived, the man was gone, and when they searched the house, they determined that there was no strange man in the house. So they were like, was that a ghost? Yeah, it was. <laughs> and then Lawrence eventually grew up. He met his wife, Sophia, and he brought his wife, Sophia, back to the Monte Cristo homestead to meet the family or to hang out with the family. And Sophia said that she had 
an instant profound connection to the house. And she said when she stepped into the house, she felt flooded with images and memories. And she has a strong feeling that she had a past life in the home and believes that maybe she was one of the maids in the house when Elizabeth and Christopher Crawley owned it. Wow. To back up its claims as the most haunted home in Australia, there are a ridiculous amount of documented photos photos and evidence there are tv shows that have done paranormal investigations which i know can't always be trust but there are legit photos so many so many photos there are mists fully formed figures shadows orbs figures and mirrors in one photo a shadowy figure appears to lurk above a white carriage while another shows a hand that doesn't seem to belong to anyone in the picture wow and then i need to look these up We have so many Uh ghost photos to post on our Instagram. I know. And then in another photo, there's a vague shape of an aboriginal maid that can be seen in the reflection of the mirror. And then there's a white shadowy figure that can also be seen floating on the left-hand side of a photo taken by a visitor who is taking a picture of an old bedroom. And I, I saved the link where all the photos are, so I will post them. The Ryans have lived in the home since 1963. Reg has since passed away, but Olive still lives there and hosts many paranormal events and ghost tours of the home and operates it as a bed and breakfast. Lawrence Ryan said the ghost tours involve a bed and breakfast in the servants' quarters as well as two and a half hour as well as a two and a half hour candlelit walk through the Monte Cristo homestead. But he also said they don't have a week go by without someone having a reaction to the house by either fainting, having an asthma attack, hearing things, or seeing full-body apparitions. And Lawrence is quoted saying, Everything from your dress, mannerisms, or the way you talk can influence Mrs. Crawley. She will either like you or not like you because she is the real maiden of the house. We better hope that she likes us. Are we going? Well, no, but if I accidentally book us in that bed and breakfast, thinking it's just a normal bed and breakfast, then perhaps. Uh, When are we going to Australia? Because I am down. On our way to Japan. (laughs) When are we going to Japan? I don't know. Whenever I get money to do that. (laughs) I want (laughs) to go so badly. Me too. We can go. We can go 2024. Okay. That's kind of a far. Well, that gives me enough time to buy lottery tickets. And then either we win the lottery and we go, or I don't win the lottery and realize that I spent the amount that I could have just used and saved to go to Japan on lottery tickets, and then I don't get to go. How many lottery tickets are you buying? One a day. (laughs) (laughs) Can you? No, I don't. Oh, gosh. Let's just go. We'll make plans. Let's go. Oops. Let's drop everything and go. All right. I'm down for that. All right. Okay, this is the story time, the story time. (laughs) And I have a story from the listener, the listener, the listener, the listener. (laughs) No name, just the listener. From the listener. And the listener's name is Macy. Her name is Macy. Mm -hmm. And she sent an email called The Myrtle's Plantation. So, of course, I opened it up. Oh, of course. Of course. It's only natural given the topic. And I would have opened it anyway. She writes, hey there. So a few years ago, my mom and I took a trip to stay two nights at the Myrtle Plantation and dot, 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 so much happened. Oh, gosh. We got there on a weekday 
and we were some of the first guests to arrive who were staying at the old part of the house. Originally, the main house was much smaller, and a few years after it was built, the second part that you see in most of the pictures was added on. We were staying in the Fanny Williams room, which is known as the doll room, since there's a very old no. porcelain doll that sits on the mantle and is known to end up in different places in the room as guests sleep. <gasps> No, we were warned to be respectful of her because sometimes she'd end up in people's suitcases and would have to be mailed back. <gasps> oh, my gosh. We brought a voice recorder with us, the type that stays off until it's triggered by noise and will turn on and record for a period of time and then turn back off if there was no noise detected. We left it on the bed and went to dinner on the property. When we came back, there were several checks that had been recorded all ranging from something touching the microphone, like a bump sound when you accidentally touch it, to conversations, boots walking around, etc. Oh my god! There was only one other room occupied, and the tenants of that had actually been at dinner with us. Wow. That night we went on a ghost tour, and we were with a group of women who were on a work retreat for one night. I want to go on a work retreat there. That's, I know, to a haunted place. Hey, I need to tell... I, I need to make some suggestions at work. Yeah. Who are we kidding? This is what I should be doing. <laughs> they were all middle-aged, and one was a bit older, had a hip and knee replacement, and moved a little slower than the rest of the group. She went by the name Miss Marianne to everyone in the group. She opted to try to go ahead of all of us so that she wouldn't slow the tour down. Once we reached the infamous mirror in the main foyer, we all horseshoed around it so that we could all take pictures. It was the only time we were allowed to use cameras, so everyone was stoked for it. The Miss Mary Ann mentioned before asked the tour guide where we'd be going next, and then she headed towards that room while we all stayed back and took pictures. Later, after the tour, we had made friends with that group of women, and we went back to their cottage to hang out and look at all the pictures. When we took out the cameras, one of them turned ghostly white and stared at the screen of hers. In the picture, standing directly in front of the mirror, but facing the camera with no expression, was Miss Mary Ann. She was vaguely see-through, as you could see the frame of the mirror literally through her body. She looked at the picture as well, and she was absolutely terrified because she knew she never stood in front of the mirror like that. It would have been super rude to do, and everyone else in the group was trying to get a clear picture of this mirror, right? Whoa. And we had other pictures from the same time frame that showed her near the next room on the tour. I have no explanation for this. I'm not sure who was even really standing in front of that mirror, but there's no way it could have been that woman. That was the best story from the trip. Whoa. The entire thing was equal parts creepy and beautiful. Being there made you feel like kind of like you feel right before a big performance, like that kind of anxiety, but it was like that for the entire 48 hours we were there. There are other stories, Whoa. but I thought I'd start with the best one first. Keep it up. Your podcast is awesome. Macy. Um, okay. Okay. I'm so curious. I wonder, like, there's a ghost imitating this this woman. Yep. Isn't that the creepiest thing in the world? Like, she was standing nearby and somehow whatever it was mimicked her appearance. Like, that didn't come up in my research. The idea of, like, either doppelgangers or anything like that. So this was, like, unbelievable. I was so glad we got this email. Oh, my gosh. But so wild. Like, she was standing right there, and yet this, whatever the spirit was, pinpointed her, like, picked her out of the crowd. Yeah. 
Well, it's interesting because she kind of, in the way that she was spending a lot of time kind of on her own because she was going ahead of the group so that she didn't, because she didn't want to slow them down, was there a ghost that was spending a lot of time with her, you know, and then was imitating her? Yeah, maybe. Yeah, because she was alone. Although it doesn't seem like she was actually truly alone. It seems like they were slowly walking from room to room and she was just kind of like hovering at the edge of each room so that as people turned to shuffle in, she was already like halfway in. It doesn't sound like she was rounding corners and running away. Yeah, but she might have like stepped in the... I don't know. I don't don't know know either. She she was just on the edge and she caught something's attention. Something was interested in her. All right. This is called My Spooky 1880s Farmhouse Haunting from Mary. Hi, I hope you read my story. My name is Mary and I just started listening to your podcast tonight during a road trip. I love ghosts and I've probably seen damn near every ghost picture and video on the internet. When my family first got internet, I immediately searched for ghosts. (laughs) I would check out books about ghosts from my elementary school library. And my mom also has the same interest in the paranormal as I do. So I reckon the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. I love that both of these stories are about mother and daughter loving ghosts. I know. And I love the eagerness to just like hop on either a haunted bed and breakfast and ghost tour or just utilizing the internet for what it should be utilized for, researching what you really like. Yeah. So, okay, Mary says, anyhow, I have a few spooky anecdotes about the house that I grew up in. I lived in a tiny town in south central Missouri called Willow Springs. I don't know much about the property. I've tried researching it, but I haven't turned up any interesting information. The house was built in the 1880s. It was a farmhouse complete with a barn, and that's about all I could gather about it. My entire family has had strange experiences during the 17 years we have lived there. When you went up or down the stairs, it felt like someone was chasing you. I always saw an older woman in a long nightgown that would fly with her arms outstretched when I thought about what the entity was. That's scary. Ooh. Mm. I feel as though this spirit was malevolent, but it didn't cause any physical harm. I have only fallen down those stairs because I myself was running so fast. My family also told me that when I was a toddler, I would sit at the top of the stairs and talk to someone who was not there. My sisters claimed that a man hung himself at the top of the stairwell where I would sit and they believed that I was talking to him. My brother said he hung himself in the attic because they would see him peeking out at them through the attic door. There were four bedrooms in total, all located on the second floor of the house. Going counterclockwise in the layout of the top floor, there was my parents' room at the top of the stairs. And in my parents' bedroom, I always felt an intense presence in the closet. It was a tiny closet, but I would absolutely not go in the bedroom if the closet door was open. Some nights when I would sleep in their room, I would go to sleep and the closet door would be be closed, but I would wake up in the middle of the night with the closet door open. That was really the only spooky thing in that bedroom. But next to my parents' bedroom was what we called the boys' room, because that's the room my brothers shared. For some reason, this is where the attic entrance was and where my brothers would see someone looking out at them through the attic door. Ooh, that's so creepy. I know. My brothers also claimed that if you looked in the attic, you would see him swing limply from the rope. I have personally had experiences in that room because I slept in there for three years after all of my brothers moved out. One night I was trying to sleep and I looked up and I saw a figure in the few inches of the crack that was open of the attic door. I was frozen. I couldn't look away. And finally, I just pulled the covers over my head, rolled away from the attic and closed my eyes and eventually fell asleep. 
Later that night, I woke up, rolled over, opened my eyes again, and I saw the figure. But he was sitting beside my bed, staring at me, his face only a few inches from mine. Mm. He didn't have any hair or prominent features. His face was sleek, but the strangest part of it all was that his skin and eyes were black, like he rubbed charcoal all over his body. Ooh. Again, I couldn't move and I stared at him until I fell asleep again with him staring right back at me. Out of all of the experiences, this was by far the most terrifying. I don't think about that house too often, but when I do and I think about his presence, it still makes my hair stand on end and I start to panic. I never thought he was a menacing presence, perhaps just curious. He kind of sounds like someone who worked in a mine, you know, the like charcoal-y look on his face. Oh, you're, oh, sorry. I, you're reading so well that I thought it was commentary in the email. Oh, no, that was just me. (laughs) Yeah, you're right. I wonder if there are any mines around there. Yeah. Okay, back to the email. Next was my room. There was nothing particularly strange about this room besides the closet. Like my parents' room, I could not let the closet door be open. One night when I was about 10, I was up late at night downloading music from LimeWire, yikes, and I heard what sounded like chains rattling. It persisted for most of the night, and this was the only time I ever heard that sound. From this room, you had a clear view of the barn from the window, and my sisters claimed that if you watched the highest window in the barn for long enough, you would see a light like one that would have been emitted from a candle. I haven't seen this happen, although I have tried multiple times. The last room was the girls' room. Again, nothing really happened in this room. The windows were on the back side of the house, looking into the backyard. Right below the windows was roofing from the back porch. So if you wanted, you could open the window and walk around on the roof. It felt as though someone was wanting to get inside the house through the windows, but I've never seen anything in the room. After you ran down the stairs from the flying female ghost, to the right was the dining room. Everyone felt as though someone or something was watching you. You could almost physically feel their gaze. If you went left at the bottom of the stairs, you would find the living room. And I can't remember anything happening in that room or the kitchen, the bathroom, or the laundry room. As a side note, when we remodeled the kitchen and pulled up the nasty yellow laminate, we did find a newspaper glued or somehow stuck under the laminate dating to the early 1900s, maybe 1930s. It was from a neighboring county called Polk County. I haven't done research to see if perhaps the house was previously a part of Polk County. Since it was stuck to the hardwood floor, we were unable to save the newspaper and decided just to leave it where we found it. Off of the kitchen was the back porch. I refused to go into this area at all. It just had a negative feeling and I felt very unwelcome in that area. My sisters would not go near the basement. The entrance was off of the kitchen in a closet with a hatch door. My sisters said the only time that they've ever been in the basement, they saw hands reach up out of the darkness trying to grab them. Mm. Not just a few hands, but a dozen of them. They were so afraid that they never went near it again. And my dad did not allow me to go inside of the closet. I don't know if he knew something was up or if he didn't want me to accidentally fall down the open hatch door. I don't know. But I believe these are most of the stories that I've been told or experienced. The house has been condemned because about 10 years ago, an electrical fire broke out and the house was lost. So we moved. I went to visit the property a few years ago, and I didn't feel any presence of any kind while I was there. I don't know what kind of attachments to this house these spirits had, because like I said, there's little to no record of the house. Hope you enjoyed my story. 
Here's an aerial photo of the house as it now stands. Hope you girls have a good day and stay spooky. Mary. Okay, there are uh, so many things going on in this house. And the fact that Mm -hmm. they're like seeing people, what was it, in the windows or like in the hallway or whatever it was. And that the attempt of being dragged away. No thanks. Mm -hmm. They're everywhere. So scary. It is really scary. And it's so interesting, too, that like the amount of activity there. And I guess this goes for most of the things we hear about. But like when something's so active... How are there no records? Or, like, how do you not know at least a little bit of what's been going on? I don't know. Though I guess, you know, people that are maybe, like, using Ouija boards or maybe something, someone had a ton of spirits following them and they kind of took up ship in this house. There's so many ways for spirits to just be somewhere that maybe they don't necessarily belong to originally. Yeah, and it's also interesting because there's no record really of the house, but... I mean, if it's been if it was built in the 1800s, who knows how many people lived in that house? How many people maybe passed away in that house, or what happened on the land? Right, probably caused so these many. spirits to be there. Mm-hmm. Wow! And if you look at the aerial photo that she sent, it's in, it's kind of eerie because she said the house was destroyed in a fire, but you still see the frame of the house, and it's kind of still standing, but it's ooh ooh the burnt remains oh creepy oh my gosh it's just also creepy the hands reaching from the basement is terrifying yeah that's that reminds me of the conjuring you know when they go into the basement and they're playing like hide and seek and the little hands come out and just go like a tiny little clap nope, don't like it no nope, i nope, don't like nope, it at all nope, nope, no thank you no thank you wow all. all right well ooh. happy almost christmas <laughs> Yeah, we have a. We'll do another. We have another episode before Christmas. We do, but just as a heads up, I'm not sure if we said this already. Correct me if I'm wrong, Sabrina. But um, we will be taking a dark week this year for the Mm -hmm. first time ever. One week off for Christmas, so there won't be an episode on um, December 29th. Yep, so we'll have an episode that comes out December 22nd, and then the next one will come out January 5th. But in the meantime, if you guys have anything you want to email us, any paranormal experiences that either you've had or um, that you've heard of from a relative or something, I don't know, the holidays are coming up, so you're going to have plenty of time. And you just had Thanksgiving, so, you know, you've had a lot of interactions (gasps) with with, uh, your relatives. So send us your ghost stories or paranormal encounters at two girls one ghost podcast at gmail.com yep and if we don't respond it doesn't mean we didn't get it it's just that we get a lot of emails so we don't respond to them all but we consider every single email for our episodes right regardless of when you sent it regardless of what it's about just yeah send them to us we read ones from two years ago ones from six months ago ones that came in the inbox in the morning so it doesn't yeah yep. it doesn't matter um don't matter well we have a few thank yous to say before we sign off. First one is to Eric Foster at Upfire Digital. Thank you so much for editing this episode. We appreciate it. And to his team, because oftentimes there are other people that hop on and do some edits for us as well. Yes. Yes. We should meet everyone one day. We haven't even met Eric in person. No, we haven't, which is so odd because I've we both talked to him on the phone. I feel like we know him. Yeah. Huh. And we will see you on the other side. Very
です。